may be seated. Well, it is my joy this morning to introduce to you someone who is uh, going to share his story this morning. Chip Swanson is here with us, and he's, uh, he's going to talk to us about how God got a hold of him. You know, we are in the business of life transformation, and uh, it's always exciting to hear how God has transformed someone's life. Chip grew up in Jamestown and now lives in Bemis Point. Um, he's been active here at Bemis Point United Methodist Church since about 2010. He runs Levant Used Cars, so if you uh, have bought a car, maybe you've encountered him there, if you haven't encountered him here. He's married to Cindy for almost 35 years. And they have two children, Kyle and Jamie, and one beautiful little grandson named Charlie. And uh, it's just a joy to uh, have Chip share with us today. So Chip, why don't you come on up and let's give him a big welcome. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning. Man, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Isn't this an awesome church? I love it here. And uh, that's my question. How did I get here? <laughs> I mean, I know where I started. I know where I've been, what I've done. But I'm trying to figure out what are the unlikely circumstances in my life that led me to be here now talking to you. So I'm looking back at my life, um, and I realize God has been there the whole time, even though I've not always been aware of it. He was there when I survived spinal meningitis as a toddler. He was with me when my parents split up when I was 10 years old. My mother, two brothers, and sister left, and I stayed by with my dad. And God certainly was with me when, as a teenager, I hitchhiked to Florida and back several times. That was insane even back then. <laughs> so through all the bad things I've done, the, the, the bad decisions I've made, I know no guy's always been there. Um, I think he's uh, allowed me to experience so many different things to help me grow, to strengthen me. I now realize God has loved me my whole life, even though I've shunned him for most of it. So while searching for answers through prayer, reading the Bible, and uh, reading books about our faith, I came across a book by Ron Hutchcraft called A Life That Matters. And uh, in that book, he quotes the Apostle Paul. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6, Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. That got me to wondering, when, uh, when exactly did the seed of faith get planted in me? Uh, was it when I was two or three, when I attended uh, Sunday school at a church in Jamestown? Or was it when I was 14, I got confirmed and baptized at that same church? After some thought, I came to realize, well, it probably wasn't then. Only because the message of salvation had not been shared with me, not been taught to me. I assumed by being baptized that uh, I was automatically going to go to heaven when I died. So I saw no further reason to go to church. I figured I've accomplished it all, right? So I quit going. 
So now I'm 21. I meet a girl from uh, Smithport, Pennsylvania. She attended Jamestown Business College. She told me she was a Christian, but we were not living a Christian lifestyle. So they were only words to me. But I had no idea what she meant by that. Well, after a while, she brought me home to meet her parents in Smithport. And uh, they, they don't like me much. <laughs> and it's hard to believe, right? <laughs> but I was a bit rough around the edges back in them days, to, to put it mildly. But her mother was very strong. She was very strong in her Christian beliefs. And uh, she made sure that I was well aware of that. And boy, was I. <laughs> so after a time, uh, my girlfriend graduates from college, and she moves back to Smithport. I soon follow suit, and I moved to Bradford. After I moved, everything changed. Our relationship did a complete turnaround. Uh, <laughs> she became kind of demanding. <laughs> she would drag me off to church kicking and screaming. I didn't want to go there. Tried to force me to pray before meals. I didn't want to do that. So we, uh, I wasn't in a pressure back in the days. I just wasn't. And uh, we argued a lot. Now the message at church was starting to sink through just a little bit. But I was not going to get further satisfaction in knowing that. Uh, her mother though. Her mother was steadfast in her faith. She said what she believed. And she believed what she said even though her and I did not get along too well. I came to admire her. I admired her for her strengths and her convictions and in her faith. And I believe it was her at that time that did plant that little bit of seed of faith in me. As you can probably guess, my girl and I, we don't make it. And we break it off. So I moved back to Jamestown. Now that seed that got planted in me, it did not sprout right away. Actually, it took decades for it to take root. <laughs> I attended church sporadically. I even answered an altar call at Calvary Assembly Church of God in Jamestown when I was 25. Then I moved to uh, Lakewood. And in Lakewood, I attended a small four-square gospel church there. Pastor Ledford was the man, and uh, we hit it off. I liked the guy. We're close to the same age, a lot of similar interests, and I really liked going there. Well, it was about that time that I met and I started to date my future wife, Cindy. And uh, one Sunday I brought Cindy to church and <laughs> she wasn't into it. So I stopped going. Even though I quit church again, I remember it was about that time I started to pray that one day I would have a God-fearing, church-going Christian family because of the example that my girlfriend's mother had given me before. Well, Cindy and I got married in 1983. Our son Kyle came along in 1985. And our daughter Jamie in 87. We didn't go to church. I worked way too much. Cindy stayed home with the kids. But I continued to pray. Only this time my prayer changed a little bit because I had a family. I said, you know, I prayed that my family one day would become a God-fearing church-going family. Uh, now, I did nothing about getting my family to church. I simply prayed, and that's all I did. Well, one day, God did answer that prayer in a somewhat dramatic fashion. My father-in-law, Dan, 
he was a, a bricklayer, mason by trade, was putting an addition on Zion Tabernacle Church in Jamestown. The pastor there, Pastor Reeves, worked alongside him on the job. So it was, um, it was May 1987. While mowing his lawn, Dan suffered a massive heart attack, and he died. That was a huge shock for, to us all, especially my poor wife. She loved her dad very much. He was only 59 years old. So uh, Pastor Reeves came to my in-laws to console us, and he told us all, as they worked together, Dan had a lot of questions about the Lord, about salvation, and, and how to be saved. And being the good man that he is, Pastor Reeves was more than willing to share that with Dan. And he was pretty confident that Dan gave his heart to Christ shortly before he died. I pray that that's true. I, I love Dan. He was a good man. I want to see him again one day. Well, my wife Cindy gave her heart to the Lord at that time. We started to attend Zion Tabernacle, Zion Tabernacle as a family. So through this tragedy, God answered my prayers. Cindy threw herself into the church. She became a Sunday school teacher, made all new Christian friends. I mean, it was wild. It was super. It was, God gave me everything that I asked for. He gave me a doll. It was wonderful. For a while, I started to pull back. I eventually quit going to church altogether. Cindy and the kids kept going without me. She was brokenhearted about that. She asked me why. I says, well, I had all the excuses. You know, I, I don't like the long sermons. I don't like the people there. I don't like the pastor. It was one thing after another. But the reality was I had become prideful and greedy, wanting only more material things. I didn't believe God could or would provide for me or my family. I figured I had to go it alone. I spent most of my Sundays exhausted from working too much all week. For 20 long years, my poor wife went to church without me. But I know she prayed for me the whole time. So fast forward, it's, uh, it's April 17th, 2010. We're empty nesters by now. The kids, they're growing and gone. Uh, city's on vacation in Myrtle Beach with friends. I'm home alone. It's a Saturday night. It's about 8 o'clock. I'm watching this movie about Johnny Cash's life called I Walk the Line. So I'm sitting there minding my own business, and I feel this presence overcome me. It's hard to explain, but I just felt something. This voice came into my head that asked, what are you doing? I'm like, uh, <laughs> watching a movie, you know? Then the voice got very bold, very direct. It says, you know what I mean. Yeah, I knew what it meant. It was God convicting me, uh, reminding me of who he was of what I wanted so long ago. Well, I got to tell you, folks, I, I broke down. I asked for forgiveness. I recommitted my life to the Lord that night. Uh, when Cindy got home from vacation, I told her what had happened. And uh, I asked for her forgiveness. And I thanked her for all the years that she prayed for me. So now it's our first Sunday we're going to come here as a Christian couple for the first time. <laughs> she pulls out the tithing album, she does this. 
And I says, hey, don't push me. Give me some space, woman. You know what? You're looking at me going to church. That's awful, isn't it? That's embarrassing to repeat. But that's the truth. That was a horrible uh, attitude for a new Christian, wasn't it? So God wasn't through with me yet. Uh, the following Tuesday, I'm at work. I'm, I'm Pastor Christmas said, you, I sell used cars for a living, so... I got a guy sitting at my desk. We're talking about a car deal. Cindy had given me a daily walk Bible to have. It's on my desk. And I can't make this stuff up. It's for real. This guy points at that Bible and says, Malachi 3.10. So I open the Bible and Malachi 3.10 reads, uh, bring your whole tithe in the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me, and it says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing you'll not have enough room to store it all. I'm like, whoa, I'm flabbergasted. I don't know this guy. He don't, we never met. He has no idea of the conversation City and I had the previous Sunday. I had to ask. I says, what made you say that to me? He says, well, all I know is that I got two boys in college. I don't make a whole lot of money, but I tithe, and somehow all my needs are met. I said, all right, come clean. Who sent you? Was it God or was it my wife? <laughs> well, I think we all know who sent that man to me that day. So since that April in 2010, my seed has finally taken root. And it's continuing to grow because of the water that I get here from this church. I love it here. The music, the worship, the message. Pastors Bill and Kristen, as well as Pastor Dan McBride, They've all been great sources of encouragement to me. There's my Saturday morning buddies, a small group. I love you guys. I love the, I love the, um, the fun we have there, the learning we get, you know, the fellowship. Dewey and Mark, you guys are awesome leaders. I pray you keep it up for a long time. You really do a fine job. Then there's the Healing Journey Ministries. Uh, the Healing Journey has enabled me to see what I've been and what I've done who I can be and what I can do through Christ. I've seen the healing journey work wonders in many men's lives, including my own. Then there's a faith-based uh, radio station I listen to daily. I really enjoy the music and the speakers on there. They help keep my mind focused on the Lord throughout the week. And there is no better way to start your day than with God's word in print and on the air. So for eight years now, God has allowed my seed to grow. And he's led me in so many wonderful ways. And uh, while listening to Christian radio, I got turned on to Dave Ramsey and his faith-based way to handle our finances. I applied his principles to my finances, and I became debt-free in just over a year. That was truly liberating. So 2011, I'm fresh out of debt. My employer at the time... They met my ears. They met that I do something that, uh, that, well, I couldn't do it because of my faith. Something I might have done in previous years, but I, I couldn't do it now. So I refused. We had a very heated discussion. Uh, he told me I ought to be ashamed of myself. I said, no, no, I'm not ashamed of myself. I'm not going to be over this. So we parted company. Had I not been free of debt at that time, I may have been trapped. But God gave me the freedom to get out of there. 
It was right then my good friend, Al Sutter, heard about that, called me up, and uh, he offered me a partnership in his used car operation, of which I'm a part of to this day. So through all that stuff, God gave me a far better deal. And now I work a lot less hours than I ever have. So now I got a lot of free time. And uh, I've been involved in the sport of boxing for 15 since I was 15 years old. And uh, I've competed many times. I've trained it, I've taught it, I've coached it. It's a big part of my life. Just ask my poor wife, the self-described boxing widow at times. Sorry, honey. <laughs> but so anyway, I got this free time. Now I go to the gym to work out. And I go to the Y up on the track, and there's a, there's a guy up there with a bunch of kids. I'm curious, what's going on? Well, this guy tells me that he started a youth boxing program there at the Y. Well, that's right up my alley. I didn't recognize him at first, but that guy was Donnie Peach. Back in the 70s, Donnie was a resident of Casadega Job Corps. And we had a boxing gym in Jamestown just off 2nd Street. And uh, the job corps bring a van all the kids down a few times a week. We would teach them how to box and train them and stuff like that. And Donnie was one of the kids I helped train way back then. Now he started this wonderful program. So I signed on as volunteer coach right away. I now had the program up. And I'm able to share our faith with the kids and some of the parents. So with the spare time God has given me, I'm able to train boxers, I, uh, I serve on the board of directors at Dwight also. For the past four years, I've been very involved in Healing Journey Ministries. The last two was a facilitator. But one of my favorite things in the whole world, one of my favorite things, is I get to play Santa Claus every year at the mall for the Y. I love it. I love the kids. It's a great, great time. And uh, last year, I was able to share my faith with my mother and... Uh, she accepted Christ shortly before she died. So I know that I'll see her again one day. And uh, at the funeral, I was honored enough to give the eulogy. I do talk about salvation, uh, why be saved and how to be saved to my friends and family. And they couldn't run out. It was a funeral. <laughs> they could not run out the door, so they had to listen to what I had to say. I just prayed that God planted seeds in people that day. Uh, if my girlfriend's mother had not planned that seed in me 40 years ago, I don't think I'd be up here right now talking to you. I don't know where I'd be, but I'm sure I wouldn't be here. So that's led me to understand that it is our job as believers, or one of our jobs as believers, to plant the seeds of faith in others and to be a source of water when needed. So now you ask, how can, I, how can we do that? Well, you know, there's so many ways, more than I could ever know. But I do have some thoughts on that. Uh, number one, we need to pray. A prayer that I learned from Ron Hutchcraft, he calls the three open prayer. And it simply goes, Lord, open doors, open hearts, and open my mouth. We have opportunities all around us. And we all have family, friends, and acquaintances. We can say that prayer for now, don't we? Number two, we need, to, uh, we need to listen. The old adage is so true, is that nobody cares what you believe until they believe that you care. 
What better way is it to show love and compassion to somebody than simply listen to them, let them do the talking? God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? <laughs> we need to speak. We need to use, I think we need to convey our faith in words that are simple, straightforward, and non-condemning. I've been in a car business for 35 years. It amazes me what people are willing to share if I'm willing to listen. They'll tell me about their illnesses, their troubles at home, their finances. It's, and whenever somebody shares intimate details of their life with me, I, uh, I now say, I'll pray for you. And I do. I keep a log at work. I write their name down. And I always get a thank you, no matter who it is. And every once in a while, it opens a door. Um, for instance, a while ago, there's a fellow at my desk telling me about his illnesses. I told him I'd pray for him. He informed me he was an atheist. And I said, well, you know what? God loves you anyway. <laughs> he gave me the funniest look. We had a small conversation about that. I was able to give him one of these uh, packets from church, this free, in this envelope, this free gift that could change your life forever. I gave him one of these. I know he read it at least twice. That's what he told me when I followed up with him. And I do know for a fact God planted a seed in that man that day. I just pray that seed's growing as we speak. So our words are so very important. Our actions. Now, I don't need to elaborate. Do I have heard that before? Our actions truly do speak louder than words. You just never know who's watching. I guess in a nutshell, something that we talk about in Healing Journey, it's called to be a congruent man, a congruent believer. To be congruent means what I say, think, feel, believe, and do are all in agreement, are harmonious. Boy, if you think about that, though, that's tough. Isn't that hard? Yeah, it is. About, it's about impossible. Uh, <laughs> even the Apostle Paul struggled with that. In Romans seven nineteen, Paul says, for what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I don't want to do to, this I keep doing. I don't know about you folks, but I relate to that big time. But that's helped me to understand that even though we are imperfect at best, God can still use us. He's commissioned us to be his ambassadors in this lost world. I think I got it. I think I figured this out. I know how I got here. God has led me here. He's used the circumstances in my life to bring me here now to talk to you. And I also know now he's created each and every one of us for a reason. That reason is to fulfill his good purpose. So now I've got to ask you, what about you? If you're a believer, you probably have a story, don't you? Won't you share your story with somebody today? Somebody that really needs to hear it. Thank you for listening to me. God bless you all. Thank you. be seated. We're going to sing, I think. Yes, we're going to sing. <laughs> um, thank you, Chip. Uh, it's so good to hear the truth about uh, what God can do, isn't it? You may sense God stirring in your heart this morning, and you may hear yourself asking, what's my story? What's God trying to do with me? you may sense that you're at that point of saying, I gotta give it all to God. I've been holding back and I just, it's time for me to give in. 
Wherever you are, or whatever um, you feel like is the next step for you, uh, I hope that you will take time as we sing together to really pray through that and to have that conversation with God. The, the altar is always open to come and pray. Maybe you are with someone who you can pray with right now and ask to pray for you. And as Chip said, if you've got a story of faith, why not share that story with someone today who needs to hear it? Let's sing together. <laughs>